Now, let's get into the Word. If you have a Bible uh, or a Bible app with you, I want you to turn with me uh, to Colossians, and then I'll tell you what what's message I'm going to preach. And uh, I have been uh, teaching a series, though, though we have been interrupted on a couple occasions with other things, a series called The Perfect Life. Go ahead and put that up behind me. I know, I'm just being, I'm just messing. Uh, the perfect life. And so Colossians chapter 2 is our text. Let's go ahead and read verses 8 through 10. It, it reads, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of, of the Godhead bodily, and you, everybody say, me too, are complete in him who is the head of uh, the head of all principality and power. And so the, the phrasing, the language there, complete in him is where we're basing this, uh, this teaching, this revelation on. We looked up the words early on. We saw the word perfect in there as well. That's where I got my title. And uh, the perfect life, meaning... In him, there's nothing missing. There's nothing left to do. There's nothing lacking. In him, it can't get any better. It can't get any better than what you have the day you get saved. And, 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 and so I want to clarify some of those things today. First of all, let me remind you this. Two weeks ago, I was emphasizing this point, that when a, a person believes what God has said... Then they enter into, what's that word? Rest. They enter into what we would call the new covenant Sabbath. They've ceased from their own labors. They're no longer trying to get what, what they need from God. They're no, tr no, no longer trying to even gain acceptance or approval. No, they rest believing that Jesus did it all. Okay, that's our Sabbath. What say, what day is it? It's every day. Every day we rest in the finished work of the cross. But you can see, and we can even uh, identify personally where we are as far as believing what God has said and what Jesus has done by how much we are, uh, you know, working hard for things or stressing over them or pressuring other people to do things for us. If ever we find ourselves in that state that is contrary to resting in him, we can, we can be sure that there's something that, that God has done for us or has declared that we haven't believed. Because we haven't seen it or we don't feel it, so we're not believing it, therefore we're acting as if we're trying to obtain it. We're striving for it, okay? But when we enter into rest, that means we simply accept. We believe what God has said regarding us in him, in Christ. Everybody with me today? Okay, now the, the language of, that we're using of complete and perfect should be understood in the context of who we are in Christ and the condition of our spirit, spirit man or spirit being. Everybody, everybody get that? The context is who we are in Christ and who we are in the spirit. All right, now this verse... 
the verse in Colossians, along with many others that we've already read, uh, are in undeniably declaring with absolute certainty the fact that our current state in Christ is perfected. All right, we are perfect in him. There is not something that God left unfinished or incomplete. That word is definitive. Um, Let me give you a couple more verses and then show you what could be seen as opposite, but it's really a a revelation to have, okay? Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23 reads, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Okay, notice, notice the language, made perfect, but also notice the context, the spirits of just men. Now, just men would be who? Justified ones, righteous in Christ. The spirits of just men made perfect. Is that different than saying the bodies of just men made perfect? Yes, it is. I haven't met anyone with a perfect body. <laughs> that sounds strange. <laughs> well, I saw this one person. Woo! <laughs> That's not what we're talking about when we say perfect. <laughs> Even the most, you know, whatever, fit and beautiful and all that kind of stuff and healthy, there's something off. Something's a little bit crooked or something's a little bit, you know, and... Uh, So that's not what we're talking about. The spirits of just men made perfect. And then Hebrews 10, 14, it reads, For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Okay, so notice in this passage, we see a one and done, and we see a continuation of things. All right, well, what do we see? By one offering, that's Jesus. Jesus is the one offering He has perfected forever. So if you've received Jesus, you could say, biblically, you have been perfected forever. Yeah, it's finished, it's done. Now notice, who has he perfected forever? Those who are being sanctified. What what, what is that referring to? Not your spirit. Okay, there are things about us that are in process, but there are also things about us that are 100% done. And it is from that position of completed, complete, that position of being perfected in Christ, that from there we can be sanctified or live out that perfection. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then Philippians 1.6 reads, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, so notice this verbiage in it, it might seem on face value like it contradicts Colossians 2. You are complete in him, and yet here he will complete it. Say, which one is it? Well, it's both, but they both have a, have a setting, have a, have a context to them. This is talking about a good work that will be completed. So we could all acknowledge, and I think, it's, I think we should acknowledge, that there are good works in us that are still incomplete. And that's not a contradiction to being complete in Him. There are things that are still in process, and, 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 and we have to walk this out. Uh, by the way, when we say this, 
that God is completing a good work, I don't read that as and, and see that that's a guarantee for all people that all the works that he started will be complete. Okay, here's what I mean. I see this multiple times in the book of Philippians where Paul makes statements that you can see in context he's talking to those people. You've heard me teach, even recently I was teaching about Paul's statement uh, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I made mention that Paul said he could, he didn't say that you could. And, he, and, and when you read that he could, he said, I can do all things. It, right before that, it's, he says he learned how to do that. He learned how to enter into a state of contentment and so forth. And uh, so he learned how to trust God and believe that. So just because he could doesn't mean you could, right? But just because he could does mean that I potentially can because I can learn to do the same thing. All right. This is also true. You see it in giving. He told them God will supply all your needs, but he wasn't talking to stingy people. He wasn't talking to selfish people. He was talking to selfless people who were supporting his ministry. And he said, God will supply all your need. So we pull these things out of context and we say, well, God didn't meet that guy's need. Yeah, but is he participating? Is he a part of the process or is, or is this just all God and we sit back and we have no part to play in it? All right. This one is also true. There are things that God has begun in all of us and he wants to and is able to bring them to completion, but I still need to cooperate with him. In other words, there, I still have the right to hear from God and say, whatever, I'm doing my own thing. Well, is that work going to be complete in me then if I'm doing that? Certainly not. He's talking to them. Say, isn't he talking to us too? To the degree that we're doing what they were doing. Yes, these words apply to us, but if, if, if he's talking to them and said, I'm confident that what God began in you, he, he will complete that work. He knows who he's talking to. Amen. So a word to us would be, if that's a good word that was conditioned upon their behavior, let's see what their behavior was and do the same thing. Yeah. So there are, just to bring a balance to all that we have been teaching, there are absolutely aspects of ourselves that are 100% complete, perfected, one and done. It's over. There's nothing to be improved upon. And then there are parts of us that are, that are a work in process, a work in progress, okay? Uh, think about it this way. Paul also wrote to Timothy, same writer, same person. He said in 2 Timothy 1.12, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know that I, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Did you, did you notice what God is able to keep? He didn't say God is able to keep whatever he wants to keep. <laughs> How could someone keep something that wasn't given to them? How could you keep it if you don't have it? And so if we're thinking, well, God's just going to keep it all together, he keeps what we commit to him. If we commit our lives or various parts or aspects of our lives to him, we commit it to him, we can be confident he is able to keep it. He is able to keep us, to sustain us, to maintain us, and to, and, and to we could go back to Philippians, and finish this thing he's begun in us. Amen. Amen. It's like God calls, but we still have to answer. Yeah. And once we answer and say, hey, I've got something for you to do, we still have to respond and say, yes, sir, here I am. Send me. I'll do that. Right. In this context, 
God does what he wants to do. He completes these works in us. Um, and so now we understand what, what we're talking about. Here's the other part of this, that when we say, and Paul taught that we are complete in him, what part of us is complete? All right, we could say um, from Scripture that we are uh, three-dimensional beings, okay? We are, of course, spiritual. We are intellectual. We are physical. There are three parts to us. The Scripture says it this way. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It defines us as spirit, soul, and body. They are they often work very much together, right? But nevertheless, they can be distinguished. Uh, Hebrews 4 tells us that the word of God will get between spirit and soul and divide those. That's how sometimes you know the difference. The word cuts through the middle of it. Yeah, it's like when someone uh, has a strong desire, they want something really strongly and, and then they're, and they, they're praying and they really want it. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish. They need a word from God, either in the book or by the Holy Spirit, to, to, to separate that. Otherwise, they confuse soul and spirit. Yep. That's good. And they think, the Lord told me. She's the one. <laughs> well, maybe he did. Maybe he did. And that might just be you. And slow down, doggy. <laughs> right? Yeah. And when, that, when, when we're involved in, with our strong desires, sometimes we confuse what's really God and what's really not. But the word of God is necessary to do that. So we are, like we said, three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, the spirit is the eternal part. All right, it's the part of us that is born again. When we receive Jesus, our spirit is born again. Our soul is not. Our body is not. You know, we obviously, when, when you get saved, if you were, you know, had red hair before you got saved, you got red hair, <laughs> you have red hair after you were saved, Right? If you don't have any hair when you're saved, uh, you don't get hair when you get saved, right? It's a spiritual activity. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, amen. We know what our spirit is. It's the eternal part of us, the part that contacts God, uh, the, the part of us uh, that gets born again. Um, there is, of course, the soul. The soul is our mind in our will, in our emotions, all right? The soul is, is that part of our, our being, and, and then our body is obvious, right? You know what your body is. It's, your, it's your, your house. You're in your body. Your body's not you, but you're in it. When your body dies, you don't die. When your body dies, you step out. You know, it's like taking off a coat. You step out, and then people go one, they go up or they go down when their body leaves our body, body, our body makes gravity work on us. It keeps us on earth. Our body keeps us on the planet. As soon as our body is done, we can't stay here anymore. You know, if someone ever told you, uh, your, gram your, your, your dead grandma has a message for you. She's here right now, like they, some of these psychic type people do, or they talk about on TV, like on, in Ghost, or some of those movies, and people are dead, but they're still here. They're trapped in between two worlds. No, they're not. That's just all, that's all made up. Say, well, they knew things. That's called, those are spirits. Those are demons. All right. There are angels here, thank God. And there are also demons here. There are no people here that don't have bodies. 
We're not. So anyway, we, we know what our body is. It's our, it's our, 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 our house while we're still here. Um, when saved, of course, your body remains the same and your soul is, a, is kind of a mixture. Our soul, in other words, our soul, we still have, we have wrong thoughts, we have right thoughts. That's why I say it's a mixture. Um, people before they get saved, they have some good thoughts, they have some wrong thoughts. People after they get saved, they have some good thoughts, some bad thoughts, some wrong, wrong, wrong thinking. But that doesn't change instantaneously with salvation. I think that's obvious if we look at ourselves and we look around uh, at, at other people, um, we can see that that happens. This is, by the way, sometimes um, why you can look at someone and you, you see them and you think, I don't think they're a real Christian. I don't think they're saved, but we could be wrong about it. In other words, they prayed the prayer. They said they confessed Jesus as Lord, but they sure talk like a heathen. They, they sure act. They don't act right. I don't know if they're really saved. I'm saying I don't know if they are. I'm saying it's hard to judge because when, they, when their spirit is born again, but their, their mind hasn't been changed, their thinking is still wrong, it could lead them to look the same as they did before they were saved. Now, if that goes on perpetually, it brings more questions. But, then, but again, it is the reason why we can't be the final answer on it. For some, it's hopeful. It brings hope to us because many of us have people that passed away and we weren't sure. It's like, I sure hope they were saved, but I don't know. I mean, they sure lived un- ungodly a lot and, and they weren't consistent. And there's a lot of questions. I'm just saying it's entirely possible that they just had, uh, you know, funky thinking. That their soul was never impacted. And this is what we want to get to. The, the place where we are complete in Christ must then have an influence and have an impact on our soul and our body for us to in- enjoy the perfect, if you will, the complete experience, okay? If I'm, I can be saved and have thoughts that are completely opposite of that. If you've ever read Ephesians chapter six, Paul was teaching on putting on the armor of God, looking at the Roman soldier, and he named each piece of the armor some particular revelation of truth. And one of them was called the helmet of salvation, why is salvation a helmet? Because I would think, well, helmet goes on your head. I would think you'd say like spirit salvation because that's what's born again. But he's saying if you're going to be protected against the enemy's onslaught, you have to think saved. You have to get salvation, not just in your spirit, but you have to get it in your head. You have to get it in your mind and, have, and, and think in accordance with your born again spirit. So, Again, if my spirit is, com- is complete, but I don't know it, my mind, I, I don't know it, then my experience is going to be incomplete. In other words, someone could say, Pastor, you keep saying in this series, you're perfect. You're complete in him. You have a perfect life. But I don't relate to that. <laughs> I don't connect to that. That doesn't seem to be my experience. Well, your experience might not be that. That's why I'm teaching so we can raise our experience to our spiritual reality. Okay? It's not just that I have to say it or Paul has to say it in the scripture. You have to say it too. This is a good, healthy exercise. Thank you, Lord. 
I'm complete in you. In Christ, I have all that you provided. I have every promise. Amen. And so uh, uh, we have to say it too. We are told in Scripture, of course, uh, not just statements of truth. The Lord doesn't just tell us what is versus what is not or what's false or, or, or a lie. He also tells us how to think. We are instructed how to think. In other words, not just how to be, be saved, you know, be right with God, but how to think. If I skip over that and think, well, I've received Jesus, I have faith in Jesus as my Savior, what does my mind have to do with any of this? Then we're gonna, we're, our experience is going to be far less than what it's supposed to be. I've got to get right thinking in my mind to get into my marriage and my family and my home life and my work life, to get in all aspects of life, right? I've got to have right thinking to do this. That's why we're given quite a few scriptures that tell us that the battlefield is up here, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood and so forth. It it is casting down imaginations that are wrong, right? We we are given scriptures. In fact, I want want you to turn over to Romans chapter 2, chapter 12, Romans, uh, the, the, the 12th ch- chapter, you might be familiar with scriptures like, he, like Philippians 4 that says, think on these things and gives a list of, of right ways to think. Because if I think wrong, it's really going to have an impact on my life. And we all have wrong thoughts at times. Do we allow ourselves just to go there? Any thought that pops into our mind? Well, I'll just meditate on that. I'll play that video over and over. It, what does it matter? I mean, it's not going to change my salvation. Well, it's going to change your way of thinking. It's going cha- to change your, your way of living. Let me say it that way. Your way of thinking is going to change your way of living. And if I don't learn to control that, someone says, well, I can't help myself. I can't help but think these thoughts. Thoughts of suicide, thoughts of death, thoughts of, 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 of dying early or dying young or getting in an accident. Or I, I can't help myself. One, don't ever say that again. Because that's the, what the enemy wants you to think. I can't control my mind. You absolutely can. You just might need a little help. It's right beneath your nose. Meaning, we've got to get our mouth involved in this. Because our thoughts sometimes can be powerful, but your mouth is more powerful. And if I'll speak the word, if I'll declare it, and I said, I will think these things. And when my mind is active and it's getting engaged in, in wrong thoughts, ungodly, worldly, sinful, fearful, hateful, whatever it is, anti-God thoughts, get my mouth involved and say, I'm a child of God, complete in Him, filled with His love and His power. I have the faith of God inside of me. I speak and I move mountains. Come on. And when we start declaring and we think these things through verbally, then we're actually controlling our thoughts. Amen. So many of our thoughts are there because we've been trained to think that way. We've been trained to think a certain way through upbringing, through those around us, through yielding to certain thoughts ourselves, and it becomes, after a while, becomes default. Okay, let me say it this way. Um, uh, I've used this in years past, but uh, if, if you were, if you had a, uh, let's say you lived in the country and you had a house and there was a field behind your house and something beyond that field, I don't know, whatever you want it to be, an outhouse. 
<laughs> Something where you, where you want to go. But that field is unkept. It's not a lawn. It's not mowed. It's just whatever grows out there, weeds and so forth. And, and, but you decide, I want to start going over there. Or you put up a building over there and now you need a, you're going you're gonna to start going through that uh, field and it's going to be, it's going to be rough. Why? Like you got t- some tall weeds and some rocks and some things. And so making your way through that field is going to be somewhat of a challenge. Okay. Uh, but if you go through that field um, day after day and you start making a habit of it, it won't be too long until there's a path. And it'll be pretty easy to get through that field. It's, there's a pathway. And there's one pathway if you take one route, right? If we take one route, you know, month after month and year after, that's the obvious way to go. If you want to take a different route, now you've got your work cut out for you again. Say, yes. so I don't want to walk this way anymore. I want to walk this way. Okay, well, then you're going to have to work at it. Yeah. It'll be much easier for you to take the same path. Okay, this is how our brains work. This is how our thought processes work. It is easy to stay the same. And if that, if that pathway is a good one, you're golden. But if it's not right, you, you might fight and push against every other idea when people say, you're doing it wrong. You should go this way. I don't want to go that way. And maybe you try it once. You think, I got stickers in my socks. You know, I... It's, I'm dirty. It was hard work. It took twice as long to go that way. And it was work. And a lot of people give up. But if you do it again, it's a little bit easier. And if you do it again and again and again and again, before you know it, that path, that, that superior path, that better way to think, to live, that now it's just as easy as the old one. But it's better. It's superior. In fact, if you keep doing that, now the old one it's starting to grow over. And now to go back. But it takes a while. But now if you go back to the old way of walking, thinking, you got back to the old one, now that's going to be hard. In fact, you might look at yourself after a while and say, I can't believe I was walking that path for so long. What was I thinking? That was stupid. It's like, I can't even relate to that. I bet there's some people who can look at past, the past parts of their life and think, what in the world was I doing? That didn't even make sense now. But yet I was fighting for it. Yeah. Come on. Right. Yep. And so Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 is, is basically the scripture that describes this process. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by getting saved. Is that what it says? No. no. He's writing to saved people. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, so transformation and salvation are not the same thing. And you can be salvationed, but not be transformationed. You can be saved, but not transformed. This goes back to someone can literally be born again. They receive Jesus, but they have all kinds of problems in their life still. They got all kinds of wrong thinking. And that leads to a wrong experience. Does that mean they're not saved? It doesn't mean that. It means their mind is not renewed. Their transformation is dependent on different thinking. Okay? They're complete in Him. They are perfect in spirit, but their mind is full of worldly thoughts. They're conformed to the ways of this world. And that might be how they were raised or by what they watch on 
on the internet, or, but their mind is conformed to the world, not to the word of God. He says this transformation takes place when you think different. Our minds must be renewed. So you can be heaven bound and still conform to this world. This is why, by the way, we work hard to get people who get saved at our church or through our ministries in or out to come to church after they get saved. Say, what do you tell people when you take them aside after they get saved? Here's one thing. Come to church. (laughs) Why? Not because your salvation is in flux, but you're experiencing that salvation is absolutely on the line here. All right. And you need, we all need to be in church consistently so that we will think right. We are being bombarded every single day with information, news and people's opinions and thoughts about a myriad of subjects. And if we are not giving much time to putting God's word in our thinking, I guarantee you we're off. Let alone the fact that we all have things to overcome just from how we, whatever we did before today, whatever way we were raised, whatever life we lived, we have that thinking. We've created a pathway, right? We've created a pathway and we are gravitating towards that. But what if that pathway is not godly? What if it's limiting uh, the blessing of the Lord from being enjoyed in our lives? Then we've got got some work cut out for us, don't we? Yeah. And so this transformation then only happens when our minds are renewed. Changed thinking, right thinking, produces uh, significant change in our lives. Okay. It's like a few weeks ago we were talking about laboring to enter into the rest working or being diligent to enter into the rest. Remember, the rest is faith. All right. This also requires work. This also requires effort. This requires some, uh, some consistency. It requires, uh, how, how many know giving, giving up the way you think sometimes is a challenge? Sometimes it's hard against your pride. Well, this is the way I am. This is the way our family is. This is the way I've always been. Okay, that's fine. We all have that. Is it right? Is it right or is it wrong? Or are we too proud to even question it? Well, I was brought up in a church and they always said this. That's fine. Good. Wonderful. Is it right? Not do you love them. Not, or not, not did they mean well. Is it true? We should all be able, you should be able to ask that about what I'm teaching. And in anyone. Is it right? Is it true? If it's not, do the work to think different. Do the work to embrace something that is true because that's when transformation takes place. Not salvation, transformation. Yeah, and you're a much better person to live with if you're transformed. Come on now, married people. Your spouse needs you to be transformed by the word of God. But listen, there's a whole lot of people that are quicker to change their spouse than they are to change their mind. Why? Well, if I'm going to stay with this person, something has to change. And a lot of it is the way that we think towards them, towards ourselves, towards the Lord, towards our future. And a lot of times people aren't willing to do that. 
well, we're just incompatible. Oh, shut up. <laughs> St- don't jump to that so quick. That's right. yeah. don't, we just can't get along. Yes, you can. Pride keeps us from changing the way that Come we on. think. It requires, you're not special, you're not different. You're like all of us. We all got issues. We all got things that we've got to think differently about. And it's, they say, well, it's hard. Yes. <laughs> Until you get that pathway cleared. Until it becomes your new default and normal, the normal way to think and treat people and relate and believe things about yourself. Yes. Insecurity can be deeply rooted, but it can be uprooted. It can be. How? Through the meditation of God's Word. Through renewing of the mind and seeing who we are in Him. Because in Him we're complete. But if those things are established, if those things become our normal, man, it's better. It's better in every way. Hallelujah. Everybody say it out loud. Say, I could could be wrong wrong about some things. Is that possible? Well, not me. Do we need an altar call for liars? (laughs) We've all got some things we're not right about. But will we do the work? Meaning I'm gonna I'm gonna put my mind on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on this. Yeah? Our goal is to think in line with God's word. And it's important that we use every tool available to us to get to that end. Okay, I'm talking about confessing. Speak the word. I'm talking about meditation. Think about it. Process it. Speak it. Discuss it. Write it. Do these things until your thinking is different. I'm talking about being in church, not once in a while, but a lot, like regularly, all the time. It'll help with your thinking. The rest of the world doesn't turn off. So why should we turn this off? I'm talking about reading the Bible. Reading the Bible, sometimes reading it out loud or reading it repetitively. Uh, Uh, I'm talking about hearing teachings like this one and many others. Here's a tool you could use. All right, if you you like it, I like it. We have on our website probably 15 years worth of teaching. There's a lot of messages in there. You could listen to one every day. And they're not even long. Some of you, if you do things that are like, don't require a lot of brain power, like drive, Depending on when, where you are driving, I get it. Maybe not in the snow or high traffic or something like that. But if you drive, play some of these things. Let, let, let it help you to think right. If you are on a treadmill or something like that, it doesn't require much thinking. In fact, you, it's, in fact it's preferable to be distracted. Right? Because you want your body to keep going, but you don't want to start thinking, man, it's only been five minutes and it feels like an hour. <laughs> Put your mind on something else. Listen to teaching. Listen to the Word of God. And do that regularly. Man, it'll help. It's it's not about salvation. It's about transformation. And that doesn't come unless we get our mind renewed. This thinking must be changed. Amen? Say it out loud. Say, I am complete in Him. In my born-again spirit. I'm perfect. I'm right with God. Amen, amen, amen. So now we just, we'll just work on this, right? And get this into our thinking. Get this into our, our mindset, how we talk to him, how we think about ourselves, how we think about others. That's how salvation changes our lives practically. 
Amen, 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 amen. Father, I thank you for working in us today. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price, and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart. Say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead, and he's alive today. I receive him now as my Savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday, and you are more than welcome to be here. Visit our website at lcboise.com for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you.